Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode the Radio Free Mormon Magic Show from Sunstone 2022. I know it may sound a bit strange at first to listen to the audio of a magic show when a magic show generally depends so much on the sense of sight and being able to see the magic tricks performed, but I have listened to this. I have also spent several hours editing it, and I think it is genuinely entertaining even without being able to see the magic, perhaps more entertaining without being able to see. So I hope you enjoy this audio from the Radio Free Mormon Magic Show. We had a great crowd. You'll hear a lot of laughter, a lot of contribution, a lot of volunteering from the audience. I appreciate them. I appreciate the good people at Sunstone for giving me this opportunity to perform a magic show before a live audience. So here we go. Everybody, hold on to your hats and be prepared to be amazed. Play the tape. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for attending the 2022 Sunstone Symposium Session 356 Radio Free Mormon Magic Show. Yeah. The audio from this session will be available for purchase at sunstone.org after the symposium. Please type your questions into the Whova app to be addressed during the Q&A or ask them into the audience microphone following the session. At Sunstone, we're making it a goal to build a community that allows many people, many ways for people to express their faith. Our tagline is, more than one way to Mormon. We invite you to help us build a community where all paths are given space to be better understood. Please support us in our mission by making a donation and subscribing at sunstone.org. About this presentation... RFM has been a life has, has a lifelong fascination with stage and close-up magic. Many principles of magic help inform our understanding of events in church history. This session will be part magic show and part lecture. A trick will be performed for the audience, and then principles behind the trick will be compared to an event in church history to see what can be learned. This one will be a blast. Radio Free Mormon has been broadcasting behind enemy lines for over five years now. You can catch him on Mormonism Live, the weekly live call-in show he hosts with Bill Rill. Let's give a warm welcome to RFM. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? Oh, my gosh. Is everybody here, does anybody here not like magic? How many people here like magic? Okay, thank you. I'm going to be taking that same poll in an hour and a half. We'll see how many hands we have then. The doors are locked. Here's the problem that I have among many. (laughs) The problem I have among many is first this, is that we're going to be talking about magic today. I've been doing magic for a long time, since 1969, actually. We'll talk about the first magic trick I learned today. But the problem is, the problem is that... I'm also going to have to show you how to do some magic tricks, okay? Everybody always gets a big smile on their face when you say that. Trust me, I'm only going to show you the crappy tricks, okay? The really good tricks, there's no way I'm telling. But that's another thing, isn't it? There is no such thing as a crappy trick. There are only crappy magicians, <laughs> which you'll be seeing today. So any tri- almost any trick can be good or bad, depending upon who performs it and how. So really, I'll be showing you some great magic tricks today. The problem is, is that the very first rule of a magician forbids me to do this. What is the first rule of a magician? You never tell your secrets. All right? There's one caveat to that. 
when you're doing when you're Radio Free Mormon and you're at Sunstone. <laughs> no, the actual caveat to that is you're talking among other magicians who have likely who have likewise taken the same oath. And I thought about this and I thought, okay, I've got a workaround. Well, everybody, please rise. Okay. Thank you. I didn't say anything about raising your hand yet. So now would you raise your hand? Okay. Any way you want and any hands you want. Okay. And just repeat after me. I think of your real name. And no fake names. Okay. Your real name. It's got to be your real name. Uh Uh-oh, we got people coming in late. Guido. Guido, you know what to do. Okay, because we can't have anybody coming in late. By the way, I'm going to put you under oath to something in a second. You don't know what it is, but you're going to have to swear to it anyway. Does anybody have a problem with that? Please now. Okay. We may or may not ever get to the magic in this hour and a half, but that's okay. Hopefully we'll have fun. Someone still has their hand up. Hello? Okay. So pay attention. Hands up. I think your real name. Think your real name. Swear that I will not reveal any of the magic tricks with its associated gimmick slights and props. Okay. Rather than do so. I will suffer my suffer. my life. Oh. I mean, that's got to be life. This is serious. Life. He's out of here. <laughs> suffer my life. Yeah, don't you wish you had done that at another time in your life? Showing <laughs> all of us um, to be taken. All right. Out to dinner. That will do. Thank you. Okay, everybody. We got two people back there at the door to guard it to keep people from coming in or leaving. Now. So having just said that much, what we've done here is we have actually, even though we were having some fun, we've just done something really important, and that is that we have created a special community. It would be better if we didn't have so many seats empty. And I will tell those of you in the back that most of what I'll be doing today is going to be technically close-up magic in a larger venue, so you may want to come closer if you want to see what's going on. I'll try and explain it as much as I can, but there are plenty of seats up here, and I'll also be moving down here when I can. The closer-knit the group is the better. But we're also close-knit. We have become closer-knit, okay, by virtue of the fact that we just took an oath together. And it's a super secret special oath. It's an important oath, all right? It doesn't make any difference how silly it is, all right? And maybe it seems a bit silly. But we've all taken the silly oath together, and that oath binds us because we are the only people on the face of the earth who have taken this oath. There is nobody else like us. And we have made an oath to keep these things that you will see secret. Of course, I'm not going to hunt you down and kill you if you reveal them. (laughs) Mormons are the only ones who have to say, I could tell you how I do, I could tell you that, but then I'd have to kill myself, right? (laughs) That's the nature of the Mormon oath. It's almost like what we used to call Polacks when I was in school back in the 70s. It's like a Polish oath. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill myself. So let's talk about magic. And let's talk about, we're going to talk more about the power of the secret later, too. Okay, so the power of the secret. We're going to come back to the secret in a second, but first some magic. I want to talk about the first magic trick I ever learned. I was nine years old. It's 1969. Anybody ever go to school? There's a few. Anybody go to public school? There's a few more. There's, 
Um, anybody old enough, or if they do it, do you have this thing with scholastic books? Everybody's nodding their heads. And usually people have a smile when they remember the scholastic books. So when I was a kid, whoa, look out, we almost crossed the streams. When I was a kid, uh, I'm in fourth grade, Miss Thomas is a teacher, it's at Kent Ridge, uh, no, it's not Kent Ridge, it's Kent, it's an it's a elementary school in Kent. Dang it, now I'm trying to remember, Hillcrest, Hillcrest Elementary School. And we get to write down books, and they get sent off by the teacher, and we, we finagle some money out of our folks, and we send it in, and then we wait and we wait, and then we get the, the books back and they get distributed in class, right? Those are some of the best times, I thought in fourth grade. How's that saying go? The three best years of my life were fourth grade? Is that how it goes? <laughs> so I had a lot of time to have these experiences. But one of these books that I got was called Spooky Fun. It had a little ghost drawing on it coming out of a window. He had a happy face. It was a nice ghost. He wasn't scary. So they had little jokes in there and little tricks you could perform. And they had a couple of magic tricks in there as well. And the one trick that I remember that I learned that really caught my attention and put me into magic. Hi, everybody. Don't everybody turn around and look at the people who are late coming in, okay? Because that would be embarrassing for them. So, (laughs) Anyway, so I want to get somebody up here to help me with this trick. I'm going to use this table down here. So everybody arrange yourself as much as you can. This is not really a great magic trick, so you're not missing a lot if you can't see it. But I am going to need somebody's help. Okay, so somebody raise your hand. I was going to do that, but then I thought that would be too easy on the audience. Do you want some help? You want, we can do it. Do you want me to do the trick? W- would you? Do you know how to do this trick? The table. I don't know how to do the trick. Okay. I think you'll figure it out pretty fast. I mean, it's, a tr- it's the first trick I ever learned, right? And it's a card trick, believe it or not. Now, I want, want to be behind this somewhat. Thank you. Okay. Somewhat. So we've got a deck of cards here. Who's going to come up here and help me with this? No, no. Come on. You've got to volunteer yourself, man. Okay, you're going to come up here? Okay. Actually, just so everybody knows in the future, you can raise your hand. I'll do the selecting, okay? Don't just catapult yourself up here. Okay, that's not how we're running the show. We've never met before, have we? No. Very good. So here's what we got. I think it's a deck of cards. See here. Yep. And I hope this works. We've got a deck of cards. Can you see these? Okay. See these on the back? I wish you guys could see how great that slide looks. Because there it goes. Boom. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to shuffle these a couple times. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I'll just do it once. We are short on time already. Would you take this deck? And what I want you to do is I want you to do what I'm going to do, okay? I want you to take it. I want you to cut it in half right there, okay? Then cut that in half there and cut that in half there. Can you remember that? Oh, barely. I'll, t- I'll be here with you, okay? Okay. Take the top half, put it in the middle. Now take the top half of that and put it over there. Very good. Now take the top half of this and put it there. So far, you're doing great. Do you have any familiarity with cards? By the way, this is Swanee. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Do you know how to deal? Barely. I should have asked this question at first. I can deal. All right. Because <laughs> there's a lot of dealing you're going to have to do now. Okay. So pick up this packet, okay? First packet there. In dealing position. You've already done it. Deal four, three cards face down, please. Very good. One card here. One, yes. One card here. And one card there. And put the rest of that packet where it was. Very, very good. Everybody? 
Now you're gonna have to do it again. Okay. I'm not done with you yet. So go ahead and take that pile, please. The whole pile. The whole pile. It's okay. a quarter of the deck. Three cards right down there. One, two, three, and one card here. One card here, and one card here. Very good, now put the rest of that pile there. All right, can you do the same thing with this third pile? I bet you know how the rest of this goes. One, two, three, don't go too quick now. You're just a beginner. Okay. One over here, one here, and one there. And then put that back there. Okay, now finally, the fourth pile. Pick up the fourth pile, deal three cards off right here. One, two, three, then one card here, one card here, one card here, and the rest of it there. All right, so we've taken the cards, I've shuffled them, you've cut them anywhere you want, you've gone through this crazy, bizarre procedure, right? Here's the amazing thing. Can you just say some spooky music as you wave your fingers over the cards and go, ooh? Uh, mm -hmm. I think Swanee needs a little help. Can everybody help her with this? Thank you. This is a good audience. I think they like you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> it's transferable, believe me. So here we go. With that music, with that strange spooky sound, something very strange happened. How many, do you know that there's jacks, queens, and kings in a deck of cards? Okay, so the queens, how many queens are there in a deck? Um, do you know? Four? There are four. Very good. Anybody know the suits? You'd be surprised how much more difficulty a Mormon audience has with this. <laughs> Heart space. You're doing great. Anyway, I haven't touched. Okay, so with that music, guess what happened? In each of those, the queens rose to the, the top. The four queens on each of the four packets. Wouldn't it be amazing if that were true? It would. No, no, you go ahead. Take the top card over here on this left pile. Would you turn it up and let the audience see it? Everybody cross your fingers because I'm really hoping this works. Really hope. oh. Did it work? Okay, can you put it down? Face up. You can put a face up there. That's fine. Next one. Okay, next pile. We're moving this show right along. Did it work? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, good, good. We're just operating on faith here. There's a queen of spades. Yes. And drum roll, please. There's a real drum roll there. I'm guessing the queen of clubs. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You did so great, Swanee. That was really, really good. I tell you what, as long as we've got this set to go, can I do something else I wasn't planning on doing? Mm -hmm. Okay. Here, we've got these queens. So here's what I want to do. Would you just take those queens and put them together? Okay. And uh, just turn them over. Just make sure there's only four cards and they're all queens. Okay? Are we good? Can I see them? Thank you very much. Right. Four cards, all queens. Just got to do it for everybody, all right? Okay, so there's two colors in a regular deck of cards. Anybody know what they are? Red. Right, and there's two red of everything, and there's two black of everything, including queens, right? Okay, we'll take the first card. Queen of hearts, that's a red queen. All you have to do is remember the red. Get your hand over here. I'm going to put the queen of hearts there. Put your hand right over the whole thing. We've only got three other cards left. The reason I make that clear, three queens here, one under her hand, is because when I'm done, frequently people say, I think you had more cards than four. And actually, I don't. That's why I counted three here, one over there for the four queens. Next queen, queen of diamonds, other red queen. This is going perfectly. I'm going to put that with your queen of hearts. Can you lift up just a second so I can sneak it in there? No, I'm not doing anything sneaky, am I? Mm -mm. <laughs> That's what they always say. Oh, so I've got the two black queens here. You've got the two red queens here. Now I have your two red queens, and you have my two black queens. Swanee, could you turn up the two black queens of mine that you have now? Thank you very much. 
Thank you so much. You're great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I snuck that other one in there. The first one was the first card trick I ever learned. The second one was not the second card trick I ever learned. That was much further down the pike. But it kind of naturally flows from there. So let's talk about this thing about secrets. And then I'm going to talk to you about my dad and the card tricks that he showed me. Because he got me started on this as well. In Mormonism and in real life, what is it that makes magic so almost universally appealing? There are some people who don't like it, but there's some people who don't like puppies, right? <laughs> but most people kind of like magic, and I'm guessing you're among them. Well, I've been trying to think about this, and what is it that makes people like magic? I've been doing it for over 50 years now, oh my gosh. And I think a lot of it has to do with the secret. And without understanding what it is about secrets that are so attractive to people, I think we can all kind of understand that they are. Just by our personal experience, right? Yes! What is it that we want when we know that there's a secret out there? We want to know the secret, don't we? Even when we say we don't want to know the secret, it's usually because we really want to know it, and we're hoping that if we just play, you know, I don't care, that you'll find out. So... I'm going to show you a couple of secrets. I'll show you the secret of that one, okay? Remember, you're under oath. Everybody who came in late, you're under oath, too. <laughs> All right. By the way, I mean the first one, not the second trick. Who liked the first trick best? Who liked the second trick best? You know, that's about even. That's really about even. And the funny thing is that the first trick, anybody in the freaking dog could do. Yes, bring your dog and I'll show you. <laughs> but that's the one I'm going to show you how to do. The second trick, your dog would have to practice. <laughs> a little, and it's harder because no opposable thumb. And you really need that when you're doing that one. So the second one is a little bit more difficult. It requires some sleight of hand. It requires some practice. The first one requires very little practice. That's why it's so interesting to me. It really was. When I'm taking what I would think of, this is a throwaway trick. This is in spooky fun for, you know, scholastic books for fourth graders back in 69, and then here's this other one that actually takes some sophistication and some skill. But as far as everybody here was concerned, it was pretty much 50-50 on who liked which one the best. Okay, so, um, Swanee, i got to get somebody else. Maybe I can interrupt somebody else who's doing something else, like sewing or patching or whatever you're doing. No, let's, we'll get a guy up here. How about behind you? Can you come on up here? Yes. And your name, was it Jason? Uh, close, it's Richard. Perfect. I'll be doing my... <laughs> I'll be doing the mind reading act later. So, Richard. <laughs> is there a Jason here? Okay. Is there anybody here who knows a Jason? Okay, very good. Already I'm starting to do a minless routine. Can you tell me? And do you know there's people who actually fall for that? I was actually already going. See? Because I was already getting to the point where everybody had forgotten I totally botched your name up. And then we're going to move on with the real Jasons out there. I don't even know your name, though. Yes, that's, there's a reason for that. <laughs> okay, so here's those four queens, right? Those four pesky queens? Yes. This is just a regular deck of cards, by the way. Generally, you should never believe a magician, but you can believe that. And usually you should not believe a magician, especially when he says, you can believe a magician. But this time you really can. Okay, so this is just a regular deck of cards. All you have to do is have four queens, All right. and they come with the deck. Okay. Okay, take the four queens, place them on the top, and you're done. 
Okay. Now, the hard part about this trick is not the setup or the trick. The hard part is remembering the whole procedure that the spectator is supposed to do. And the hard part is making sure they do it correctly and they don't screw it up because the audience is going to blame you. <laughs> if the trick doesn't work, they're going to blame you, not the dumb spectator. Not that you're dumb. You're a wonderful man. All right. So here's what it is. So you've got this top. The whole thing is this. You've got a top deck, and you're going to cut this four times. We're actually going to cut it into four piles, okay? Now, when you're going slow, you see where the queens are, right? You keep it on the top. They're on the top, and they're over here. Nothing else matters, all right? Mm -hmm. So you start over here. Are you watching this, Swanee, so you can do this at the next birthday party? Okay. So here, go ahead and pick that up. Were you watching at all when Swanee did it? Um, I should pick the whole thing up, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, now just deal these first three cards off down there. Because oh, it doesn't make any difference. Okay, go ahead and put this on top. Okay. Take that. Do the same thing, please. Oh, no, he messed up. He didn't deal a card to all the stuff. Oh, you're right. Well, he's, what are you doing? You're trying to kill me? You're saying pick it up. Jason, you're killing my act. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to forget my own name by the way. Okay, did you do it yet? No, he's still doing it. We're not going to be done with this trick by the okay. time. Okay. Am I supposed to pick these up? Yes, and put one, two, three. Oh, okay. One, two, three. Okay. So now so the queens are under that. Yeah. The queens are under one, one card. card. Yeah, yeah, one card. Right? Card yep. Please put that back down. All right. Do the same thing with the second pack. I pick this up. And then yes. Deal three, right? Please. Which makes no difference whatsoever, except to confuse people. I know. And now one, two, three. So now we got two on top. Don't of we though? Yeah. Now put put that back where that is. All right. And now these. All right. Third deck. You're doing great. One, two, three, and then one, two, three. One, two, three. Yes. One, two, Sometimes it, no, no, no. Oh. Sorry. That's okay. You actually have to pay some attention no, to this. No, last one. Last one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, this is the last time Sorry, we're working together. Sorry, I'm trying together. to listen, and I, I'm not very good multitasker. <laughs> okay, what, what have we done so far? I'm a, I'm a bad magician. I'm also a bad Mormon. No. <laughs> You're not a bad man. You're just a bad wizard. So here's the deal. The deal is this. All I care about is that mm -hmm. there's three effing cards on top of my queens over here. Okay. Get another one on there. All right. Thank you. I can put this wherever put I want. You can do it, Jake. Now, isn't this unusual? Because actually what you're doing now is you're seeing this trick through the eyes of a magician who knows how to do it, and you know how to do it now. But now you know what it is that I care about. And what I care about and I'm concerned with happening is usually not what you think is important if I'm doing it right. And is it misdirection? Maybe. But whatever you call it, I hope it works. So now, everything... Oh, did you do the last pile? I did. No. Wait a second. It's not the last pile. Good. Okay, when I say the last pile, I mean... There should be four on top of the queens. No, there should be three. Oh, three. Yeah, you're right. That's okay. Good. When I was in fourth grade... <laughs> I couldn't understand this even when I knew how to do it. It took so me don't... four years. I'm glad you did it in three. <laughs> okay, maybe we can work together. Okay. okay, so take the fourth pile, right? All and you can do with the fourth pile the same thing you've done with the first three, which is, is it very heavy or something? No, no, no. <laughs> did you just walk into the, the street? I was on the other side. Now I'm on this side. Okay. <laughs> Three three out of the pile. One, okay, one. No, so, no, oh, okay. no, no, no. I pick this up. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. Right here. 
Okay. I did that. That was my fault. Now one, two, three. Nope. And now drop it there. Just drop it on because it's already on top. You don't even know how exhausting it is to be a magician. You think it's easy? Standing up here and letting someone else do all the work. That's when it gets the worst because then you've really got to be on top of things. Okay, so now then you do the whole thing about the, the queens and the women and go ahead and turn that up. Turn up first one. It's queen. The queens have risen to the top. And there's a second one. And I'm hoping there's a third one. Yes. And there's a fourth one. And everything's just absolutely amazing. Thank you. All right. That's how you do it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did you just ask a question before the end of the program? Guido. Guido. Sorry. No, I really do want to have this to be, um, what do you call it? Fun, relaxed. Interactive. Interactive. Thank you. Those big words. I'm sorry. What's your question again? I shuffled first. When you had the deck, yeah, you shuffled. How'd you shuffle? He shuffled one shuffled time. With more yeah. in one hand. And then that's so when you came out of her. So yeah. how did you get the four queens on top if you're shuffling that one time? Well, of course, I started with the four queens on the top. But if I just bring out the deck and do the four queens trick, only a fourth grader is going to fall for it. <laughs> and not all of them. So you start with the four queens on the top, right? Excuse me, there's the four. So all I do is I just make it clear that they're all different, right? And they are, until you get to the top four cards, which you don't show. Okay? Just like this. I hope so. They are. Yes, that, was, that comes into the general heading of a false shuffle. It's easiest with one card that you want to keep on the top. The more cards you want to keep on the top, the more difficult it is without drawing attention. But usually people are so crappy at shuffling that you could do it like two by fours and they're not going to notice. But that's why you do it just one shuffle instead of multiple. I could do it all day long. No, I could do it all day long. Because it's four cards. I just got to keep on top. All I do is put a few more, fewer cards in my right hand and I just make sure that I have the last card on my right hand has shuffled before the top four on the left. Does that make sense? Oh, excuse me. And I always hate doing that because I always worry, is it going to work? So actually, when I'm surprised that a trick works, I'm not acting. (laughs) Actually not acting on that one. So what we've got here, let me get rid of these queens, okay? We've used these too much. What we're going to use is this deck. Now I need three other people up here. Yes, three other people. How about uh, you... What's your name? Lexi. Lexi, you can come up here. And we'll have, uh, oh, you're just sewing. Are you wanting to come on up? From the back, you and any one other person? Boy, everybody really wants to play. Uh, what is that? Reign of Judges? Oh, cool. Hi, Lee. Okay. Oh, we got three people? Okay, so we got this. There'll be no high-fiving while I'm doing this trick. <laughs> hey! Oh, I just decided my new character is going to be the narcissistic anal magician. <laughs> so, <laughs> not that funny. Um, this is a trick my dad did for us three boys. He had three boys, so I have three spectators. I'll play the part of my dad. All right. So what he would do is he would take a deck after shuffling it a bit, 
And then he would make a circle. Can everybody, nobody can see the circle. Trust me, I'm making a circle here, okay? There's a circle. There's this total circle of cards here. And it's looking less and less circular the more I monkey with it. I don't know why that is. Anyway, I'm really hoping this is going to work. But what I would like for you, Lexi, to do, okay, is just to touch any card. Don't look at it. They're all face down, right? Touch any of those cards. I want you to try and use your psychic skills. And if you can, I want you to just try and think of the nine of hearts in your head. Go ahead and point to any card here. Do it long enough that you can pull it out of the circle. Okay, you sure you want that card? Okay, nine of hearts. You remember the nine of hearts? I get to look at this and see how... Lexi's very good. That's amazing. Have you been doing this long? The nine of hearts, very good. You got that one right off the bat. (laughs) You are, you're amazing. And this is um, the Fresh King... Oh, you're Fresh King Benjamin. Well, you're doing so good with the nine of hearts. Why don't you try another nine? Why don't you try the nine of mm, clubs? Okay. If so you do just what Lexi did, if you can, but just with your one finger and without turning a card over. <laughs> Does it have to be that finger? <laughs> that's, that's my point. Okay, so what was your card? Eight of, uh, nine of hearts. Okay, yes. And your card? Nine of clubs. Oh my gosh, you're pretty good too. Oh, I knew it. It must have been that middle finger. So nine of hearts, nine of clubs, very good. And we've got Lee. Yes. Lee, can you try for, say, the three of clubs? Three of clubs? Yeah. Don't make it too hard. That's when three of clubs, you're sure? Yes. Holy crap. You're good, too. Can we have a round of applause for all three of these people? Bravo. Okay, for my next trick. No, I've got to try one. So we've got nine of hearts, nine of clubs, three of clubs. I'm going to try for a face card because I always like the face cards better. I'm going to try for a big face card. I'm going to try for the king of hearts. Holy crap, I'm pretty good too. Wow. Thank you very much. So what was your card? Nine of hearts. What was your card? Nine of clubs. And your card, Lee? Three of clubs. And my card? King of hearts. Wow. Sorry. I'm looking as if everybody could actually see what's on the table, and I apologize. There we go. So that's my dad's card trick. We love that. Thank you. You can all go back to your seats. You've been wonderful. Who here, by a show of hands, is genuinely astonished by that trick? It's okay. Be proud. In honor of my dad. All right? So this is actually a very simple trick, too. Everything's simple when you know how. And actually, any one of you can do this trick, as incredible as it may sound. This is based upon what's called the one-ahead principle. Someone is nodding their head. Do you know about magic? What's your name? No, I know nothing about magic, but... I realized as soon as you asked for the next one that you could be asking for the card that you had in your hand mm-hmm. and that you do it again and again. And it answers every question except for one. Except for the one. Right, exactly. And do you know what she means? What's your name again? Okay, well, maybe it'll become clear to everybody here in a sec. Because it's very easy for me just to say, okay, uh, pick the nine of hearts and then you pick a card, right? And then I say, okay, how about the nine of clubs? You have the nine of clubs in your hand now, so you... Hey, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> People can hear you, Trace. It's a very common principle, the one-ahead principle, where you're one ahead of the other person. But you don't know it because you can't see the cards, and I can. Which is kind of different from the way you usually do magic tricks, right? So, the whole basis is that I know what the bottom card is. How do I know what the bottom card is? Because I looked. 
<laughs> All right. That's a... Uh, oh, oh, thank Thank you. From one of my favorite... Sherlock, from one of my favorite Sherlock Holmes books. Oh, can I tell you this story? Is that okay if it's not all magic? Because I looked, I think it's the, um, I think it's the adventure of the dancing men, but I could be wrong about the name of it. Anyway, there's been a murder-suicide attempt in the, what, out, off somewhere in England, somewhere away from London. They have to take the train to get there. It's off in the country. It's nice. You've got a lord. You've got a lady. It's a sealed room mystery. They're in this nice, huge, ornate room at their mansion or whatever it is, their hall. And the husband, the Lord, is shot once and he's dead. Duh. And the lady is shot once in her head and she is severely wounded in her, in her temple. There is one gun found. Is this something you can share with the rest of us, Amazing Larry? <laughs> oh, I've wanted to use that line my whole life. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What was it? Um, let's see. What were you talking about back here? Just adding to what you're saying. Okay. It's creating a... This is the live chat over here. <laughs> There's the live chat. Okay, so it's a sealed room mystery because... The room is locked, all right? They had to open the they had to break open the door when the servants heard all the, the commotion and the boom boom. So they've got one handgun. It is loaded except for two bullets that are missing. And the what's the, you call the constabulary, the local guy who's on the scene, has got it all figured out as anybody could, because it's obvious what happened. What's obvious that happened is that the wife shot her husband, found out he'd been doing something she really didn't like shot her husband to kill him, which she succeeded in, then turned the gun on herself to kill herself, which she did not succeed in. So Sherlock Holmes shows up. He comes from London. Watson's with him. He does his thing around this locked room, right? And the, um, the Bobby constabulary guy, he's standing there. And the constabulary is explaining exactly how it was done and how he figured it out. And then Sherlock Holmes says, so what do you make of that bullet hole over there underneath the windowsill? It's on the interior of the room. How does that fit into your theory? Because there's a third bullet involved. And the Bobby's eyes go wide, and he says, Great Scott, how on earth did you find that? You know what Sherlock Holmes said? Because I looked for it. When we think we have the answers, we tend to stop looking. So, just an idea there. Anyway, that's all right, because I looked for it. So where the heck was I in this whole magic thing? We, were te- we haven't got to the point where how you got the fourth card. What fourth card? One ahead principle. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. The one ahead principle. Very good. I knew where I was. Just a testing. <laughs> testing you as an audience. Yes, the one ahead principle is that because I looked for it. I looked for it on the bottom of the deck where I expected to find it. And that's where it is. It's a glimpse. Okay. It's a glimpse to the bottom of the deck. It's very easy to find out what card is on the bottom. So you have to keep track of where the bottom of the card was. Yes, and it usually bottom in the circle right where i left it in the circle right where i left it (laughs) yes seven of clubs in this case all right so seven of clubs it is so easy to see what the bottom card is so easy i could practically go like that in front of you and nobody would really think that much of it except for you you'd get it every time so you know it's seven of clubs right so it goes in a circle and all you do is you keep track of where the bottom card is right And usually, I just sort of put it out there. And then I immediately look away from it and go, God, I hope I don't forget where it is. Or or that they don't pick it. No, if they pick it, it's glory. It's an effing miracle, baby. And that is actually why I do an extra thing, which I'll mention here in a second. 
because there are other people in the class besides just you and me. <laughs> Everybody, are they having classes next door? We're good. They, oh yeah, everybody's no, no. There's because if they're next door, I want everybody to laugh on cue as loud as you can. Because I want. Okay, that wasn't the cue, but it's good to know you're all warmed up. I don't think they're next door, so you, you don't have, are they really? Yes. Okay, ready on on the cue. Count three. Just laugh and laugh and scream and shriek like you're having the best freaking time of your life. <laughs> yes, much. Okay, one, two, three. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. Okay, and I'm looking back and I can still remember it, but I think it was a seven of clubs. That's the other thing. This is why magic is dangerous as you get older. Because there's really a lot of things you're supposed to be remembering. They're not really difficult, but sometimes you can forget. So this is, should be the seven of clubs there, right? Okay. Seven of clubs. Okay. So we've got that. So somebody comes up here, they pick any card, whatever. They show it to me, right? They can't look at it because it's not the seven of clubs. Oh, it's the eight of clubs. I don't like when they're that close together, but what are you gonna do? That's what they picked. So seven of clubs, you did a great job. Eight of clubs, okay, so eight of clubs is next. Once you pick the, this person picked the seven of clubs. Lie. Everything I've been telling you since you came in is a lie. (laughs) Do you understand that? Do you understand what a great hobby magic is for a person who ends up becoming a lawyer? (laughs) A lawyer? No, it's absolutely amazing. You look somebody in the eye, you tell them a bald-faced lie, and they go, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what magic is about. That's the thrill. You just lie your ass off. So here's the eight of clubs, which is really the seven of clubs. Now, it's, sometimes it's confusing when I show you what's going on. You know what I mean? Because I just told you to pick the seven of clubs. This person picked a card, gave it over to me, and it's the seven of clubs. But it's the eight of clubs. I'm going to make a different one because I don't like that one. Four of hearts is better. Okay, so seven of clubs, four of hearts. Now I go, oh, wow, you're really good. You picked the seven of clubs. How about you? Can you give me the four of hearts? Oh, he got me the four of hearts. That's very nice. You're very good, too. So what's the third person going to pick? Would you pick the king of hearts? Yes. Okay. So he's going to give me the king of hearts. This is amazing. It's the ace of hearts. Okay. So now I'm going to say, okay, now it's my turn. I'm going to pick one card, and I'm going to pick the ace of hearts. Okay. Boom, right there. I got my ace of hearts, and I'm ready to go because I've got all four cards that were named. And I always tell them, you will notice this something, okay? There are so many things you learn from magic, from things going wrong, because if you do this long enough, it's going to go wrong in just about every conceivable way it can. And then you're going to learn that when you do it, you want to do it in such a way that that doesn't happen again. So if you notice when I'm asking everybody up here, all three people who are up here, remember the name of your card. You have to remember the name of your effing card because there is nothing worse than getting to the end of a card trick and having a person forget the name of their effing card. And I've had it happen. Sometimes it's been me, (laughs) as you can tell. And I have to cover for it. But there's nothing to recover from if the person themselves forgets the name of their card. I want to try one other thing here. And let me just see if I can use... Trace, can you just come up here really quick? Okay. Now, you want to cut these cards? You can if you want. Sure. No, forget it. We got, we're going slow. <laughs> okay, all. okay. Okay, we just go ahead and pick a card. Hurry up, pick a card. Anyone you want. Go ahead, pick it out. Memorize it. Okay. Can you show it to the audience, too? I've got no fancy mirrors back here so I can see what it is. 
I'm just counting on the person on the front row in semaphore. We're good? Yes? Go ahead, you just put it back in there. I don't even want to touch it. Take the cards. I don't even want to touch the cards anymore. I'm tired of life. <laughs> okay. Go ahead and shuffle them up. Do you remember your card? Yes. See? Right there. I almost waited too long. Keep shuffling. You're doing good. Um, you sure you remember your card? Yes. Okay, do you remember his card? Yes. All right. Go ahead and keep shuffling. Okay. There's only one person in here who does not know what his card is, and that's me, because there's no way I could know his card, and I just love lying to people. So, because that's what I'm doing, of course. Don't forget that your card was a ten of diamonds. <gasps> How did he do that? Where's the, where's the plant? That's magic. There is no plant, and it doesn't get any more pure. Is it because you, the way you made it, I picked that last card? No, but you can stop shuffling now. The trick's <laughs> over. Thank you. <laughs> that one I'm not showing. Okay. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yes. Anybody ever seen this? It's called a, what's it called? Randy, I need some help. Air shuffle. Air shuffle. Air shuffle, except it's not supposed to shuffle. If it's an air shuffle, I'm actually doing it wrong. <laughs> And I did a lot of air shuffles before, you know, the 52-card pickup thing. Can I just tell you what a miserable existence it is to be a child magician? You learn how to clean the floor, though. Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. There's, it, it's a hermetic existence. I have no friends. I blame it on the magic. I am secluded learning, studying, practicing a lot of times in the bathroom for ungodly hours, and I swear I'm practicing magic. Here, so kind of <laughs> it's magical. <laughs> magic moment. I have to say I object to your honor. <laughs> um, I, I want to say that if you don't reveal, I could reveal your name. And I think everybody would be surprised. <laughs> no, what's that called? Uh, extortion. That's exactly what it is. And I'm glad you know the name of the crime you'll be charged under. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, I'm not going to show you how to do that, but that was pretty cool, wasn't it? That is as pure a magic as magic gets. Shuffle the cards, you pick a card. You had a completely free choice, didn't you? Did you want to look at the cards? No, I didn't. Okay. Well, they're here. Are they all tennis diamonds? Yes. Okay. Oh. Of course they're not. <laughs> that wouldn't be magic at all. Are they all tens of diamonds? My hey, gosh. It's a question. That would be a way to do it. But no, they're not. Okay. Here you go. I put the queens back in. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. You want to look at them? Yep, That's man. enough. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. So let me see if I got anything else here I can do. I've got so much I could be here all night. But I won't be. I won't be. What time? We got time? Oh, we're about halfway through. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I have a knee injury. I was practicing too much magic in the bathroom. <laughs> people ask me, why do you laugh at your own jokes? And people don't understand. The reason I laugh at my own jokes is because I'm hearing from them for the first time at the same moment that you are. I have very few jokes that I come in ready to say. And if you notice, there's a difference. If I don't laugh at my jokes and I deadpan it, the odds are that that was a prepared joke. All right, because I know it's coming. Let me see here. Oh, that's my dad's magic trick. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, here's a great one. You're going to love this one. This is one that my dad did. You want me to talk more about the secret? I'll talk a little bit about the secret thing I'm going to show you. 
In Mormonism, we have scripture that talks about secrets and how great it is to know the secrets. And if you know the secret, the best secret of all, by the way, what is the best secret of all? The best secret of all is how to murder and get gain. How to murder and get gain. Yes, how to murder and get gain. And if you know that great secret, then who are you? Yes, you get to be Master Mahan. And everybody now knows that, right? Now that I'm saying it loud enough. How to murder and get gained to be the possessor of that great secret. And once again, we all know some secrets are more important than others. They're probably more significant than others. The secrets to the code of the nuclear football, probably more important than knowing how to do the Queen's Rise to the top. It is a more significant secret. But just because it's more significant doesn't make the other one insignificant completely. Because there's always significance. If you attach a secret to anything, it gains power. Even a dumb card trick like that. That's why we took the oath. So I used to think about Mormonism because we talk about the things that are secret in Mormonism. We have so many things that are secret in Mormonism, don't we? We actually have a culture of secrecy in Mormonism to where even if things aren't, don't have to be secret, a lot of times we're going to make them secret anyway so that we imbue them with this power and this magic. Even to the point of we won't talk about what callings. If I'm going to give you an interview to give you a calling, okay, not until we put you in front of the congregation and ask for a sustaining vote. Because heaven forbid, we don't want anybody to know who they're going to be sustaining before the moment they're asked to. Right? So, but this is whole uh, secrecy type thing in Mormonism. And in the temple, of course, we have certain things that are secret in the temple. And then we have this age-old explanation, right, that it's not really secret at all. I, I didn't even buy that even the first time I was hearing that. What was it, by the way? Right. We heard that recently from Elder Bednar in Washington, D.C. about the temple, right? It's not secret. It's sacred. Okay. The sky is not blue. It's azure, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So it's really two words for the same thing, but they're trying to try and say secret. But it occurred to me after a long time thinking about it that really it wasn't that it was sacred and not secret. The first thing that occurred to me is that it was sacred because it was secret. So because something is secret, we're going to call it sacred. And that way we're going to be able to make it so we don't have to talk about it. It will have that sacredness. And I think I'm, I hope I'm doing this in the correct order. Let me double check here. It's not secret, it's sacred. That's the one we always hear. It's secret because it's sacred. That's the one we just covered, right? And then it occurred to me that something becomes sacred just because it's secret. That's actually the third thing. If we make something secret, then we make it sacred at the same time, just by virtue of its secrecy. Like the new name. The new name is a great, getting a little reverb. We're okay. I hate to explode up here on the stand. Like the new name, right? Everybody knows the new name. Try and say that three times fast. Everybody knows the new name is secret. You're not supposed to reveal it anywhere except at a certain place in the temple. And so we, I don't know about you, but I thought this was a big freaking deal. I had my new name. I knew this was sacred. I thought it must have been the name that I was called in the pre-mortal existence. Right? Yeah. They got a lot of names up there that we use down here. Don't ask me why. Before the languages down here were created, they're still using those same names up in the pre-mortal. But I just thought it was super, super important, significant, because it was 
sacred because it was secret. Now, I hope I'm not blowing anybody's minds about the new names, but actually it's not really that... Well, it could be magic. Let's see, what's the word? What I'm saying is, it's not associated to me like I thought it was. Every single guy who was going through the freaking temple that day, back in November of 1979, was getting my new name. And apparently in every temple throughout the world, I think there were like four of them then. What? Significant. Significant. Thank you. So, yeah, so everybody's getting it. I'm thinking it's super significant. I'm not aware of the fact that it's not significant at all. And then I find out some decades later that it's not significant at all. And how do I feel? I feel like, wow, I got taken for a ride. And what I start realizing is that the secretness that is placed upon the new name is there to give it a power, which it would not have if the church just told me back in 79 that I'm getting the same name as everybody else who's going through the temple today. It's not that significant. It's not unique. But you still got to remember it. Otherwise, we're not letting you out of here at the end of the session. Okay, so there's that. Culture of secrecy. Uh, We've talked about the the magician's code. I want to tell you about the magician's code because you know this. There's two parts to it. The first part is you never reveal a secret. Hence, everybody had to take an oath. And I'm reminding you of your oath, too, so that you do not forget it. Not only do you not tell a secret, you also never perform the same trick twice for the same audience. You guys know that, right? If not, you do now. You never perform the same trick twice for the same audience. Why? Because if you do the same trick twice for the same audience... The odds go way up. They're going to figure out how you do it. Most tricks, whether it's intentional or not, depend for their efficacy on the audience not knowing what's going to happen. If you don't know what's going to happen, the odds are you're not going to see what's going to cause it to happen because you don't know what's going to happen. But if you perform it a second time and you know what's going to happen, now you're looking. It's almost like telling a joke twice and expecting to laugh at the punchline the second time. You know what the setup is now. So you know how it's getting there. Let me show you something here. I'm going a little bit off of track, but that's okay. I want to use this table, and I'll just bring it over here. It's okay. That has to stay there, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to go ahead and use this. I'm going to get a chair, and I don't know that I can have anybody come up here, and I I apologize for this. This is the best impromptu trick at a dinner table at a restaurant that has ever been invented, or at least that I know, or at least that I can do. Is it okay? Yep. Okay. just have to keep it up. Thank you very much. And it is done with items that can be found at any restaurant, which is a huge plus. You don't have to carry a deck of cards with you to the restaurant. Not that I'm above that. All right. Yes, sir. And I brought this one down from Washington because I wasn't sure that we would be able to have one. I'm going to throw this to you. Don't let the salt spill. Okay. He can't let the salt spill. Salt's not getting out of that. I brought it down from Washington, but I'm not going to let the salt get out. So I took tape, put it on the inside, right? Then screwed it down. So, yeah, that salt's not going to come out because it's not supposed to. Now, let me see here. I've got... Oh! Can I have everybody stand up for a second? I just realized I'm starting to get boring. (laughs) Not another oath. This is what the... What do you think the point of that was in the temple? I thought that was actually a brilliant part of the temple was to keep people... Standing up, up, down, up, down, up, down. Okay, and especially in the afternoon on a hot day in the summer when you probably just had a big lunch. That's terrible. Oh, that's even worse. Okay, so you guys can probably sit down now. Here we go. Here's a nice, here's a nice napkin. Does anyone have a dime? 
fed enough card tricks. We're having a lovely dinner. Got the candles, they're lit. Thank you, I already got one. Just so you know, in this life there's the quick and the dead. That's what my first missionary companion used to say. He's now a general authority. It's funny because it's true. Okay, obviously I took the wrong career path. Okay, so here's the thing, all right? I'll try and move over here. It's the dime. Oh, shit. Does anybody have another dime? Okay, hang on a second here. Hang on. It's quite a bouncy table. It's not supposed to be that bouncy. But it's solid. Dang it, that's the important thing. It's a solid, okay? I'm going to get this out of here. Don't need that. It'll be distracting. All right, so I'm going to make this dime go through the table. Now, I talked about this on a podcast around a year ago. Had to do a translation of the Book of Mormon. And I described the trick there, but I wanted to perform it for you. So when you do this, you have somebody who's opposite you at the table. You borrow a dime. Usually there's a salt shaker around. Put the salt shaker on top of the dime, because magic doesn't just happen out in the open. There always has to be some mystery behind it. So I'm going to make this dime go through the table, but it's going to be under the salt shaker when it happens. Not only is it going to be under the salt shaker... Hope you're getting all of this. Didn't, didn't you post about no recording? Okay. It's okay. So, get him out to the shop. In the parking lot. All right. So we've got this napkin. The napkin's going to go over the salt shaker, and the salt shaker is over the dime. Okay? And I'm actually not kidding, because there's the dime. All right? So there it is. So what you do is you go, one, two, three... Tap the top of the salt shaker, and the dime goes through the table. And there you can see the dime has gone through the table. Just kidding. You can't really see it. That's supposed to be funny because the dime is still there. Okay? So that's the first attempt. Didn't work. Going to try it again. One, two, three. There we go again. Up. Dang, it looks like the dime has not gone through the table again. Well, the third time's the charm, right? So here we go. Everybody watch. Dime's going to go through the table. You know it's going to happen on the third time because it's the third time. Put the salt shaker over it. One, two, three. Tap the salt shaker and the dime. Wait a second. Oh, well, that was the problem. The dime wasn't supposed to go through the table. It was the salt shaker. Thank you very much. If you could have seen it. If you could have seen it from back there, like you could see it from up here, Renee. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be amazed too. So... That is, <laughs> no, let, let me tell you, when people gasp at a magic trick, that's like the best. So thank you. If it's a good gasp anyway. Hang on a second. Let me just check something. Okay. I just want to make sure it was a magic trick. All right. Don't want to injure your knee again. Because you never know. I will tell you. No, I won't tell you that true story. About my fly being open in gospel doctrine class. <laughs> Although it's a true story and it's a pretty funny story. But uh, we've got more work to do here. I've got, what, how much time do I have? I've got like half an hour? Yeah. Are you? Half an hour. 15 minutes and then we get questions. This is Radio Free Mormon with the surprise look on his face. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, let me tell you about this, because this is really, really important, and it was significant to me. I've been doing magic since I was nine, didn't join the Mormon church until I was 18. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on at the same time, but never thinking about it together. And recently, I started thinking about that magic stuff in Mormonism, and I started thinking, you know, 
it is possible that some of the psychological principles that I've learned in magic might have some application in Mormonism. And the thing about the translation process is that the way it finally has been revealed by the church after having kept it in the church safe for a long, long time about how he did the translation is that he puts a rock in a hat. This is what everybody who was with him knew he was doing. They were okay with this. They understood that this could be part of the legitimate process of translating is putting a rock in a hat. So he puts the rock in the hat, and everybody now, today, now that it's more out in the open about how he actually translated and we sort of understand it, the focus is always on the rock. It's always on the rock. And what the heck is with that rock? And is this some kind of symbiotic relationship that Joseph Smith has with this rock that it works for him maybe and not for other people? But there's something magical about this rock, at least vis-a-vis Joseph Smith. The hat is something he just puts the rock in in order to what? Make it dark. Dim the light? Yeah, dim the light so he can see what's glowing in that magic light that's emitting from the rock. We can tell how much the focus is on the rock from the fact that Elder Uchtdorf quite properly focuses on the rock in explaining that it's like an iPhone. The rock is like an iPhone. I can look at my iPhone and I can see things on it. Why couldn't Joseph Smith look at his rock and see things on it? The answer is because it's a rock. But other, they're very different things. But the focus is on the rock. Nobody's talking about the hat. The whole thing is that then it made me think of this trick. Because the whole basis of this trick is to make you think it's all about the dime. It's never about the dime. In fact, the dime is used in order to keep you from seeing what it is all about. If I came out here and told you I was going to put this salt shaker right through the top of this table, I think every one of you would probably catch me. At least you'd be much more likely to catch me. By the way, did you catch me? I know, I know. I was going to congratulate myself because if I beat him, then I'm really, really good. I beat other people at the angle. But go ahead, yes? I saw it. Okay. What'd you do? This guy's really starting to get on my nerves. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to put the dime through the table. No, I'm not. But it's making you look at the dime. Think of the dime as the seer stone, okay? All focus is on the dime. That's where the magic is. But no, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to put this over it. By the way, it's so nice of everybody here to not even raise an objection when I say, okay, I'm going to put this over it. If it's real magic, you don't have to put a salt shaker over a dime, do you? Just stating the obvious. And now we're going to make it worse. We're going to put the the napkin over the salt shaker. Okay? Now, the thing that's cool about it is nobody's going to object, number one, because I'm in charge. Can I say one other thing? One of the wonderful things about magic is you start learning, you can say absolute rubbish to people, and they will believe you if you just say it convincingly enough. Like, this is really what's going on. This is what... Hey, how you doing? Great. <laughs> SEMC alert. <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. I don't know if they're going to show us their credentials, though. So what we have here is we've got a situation where it's not about the dime; it's about the salt shaker. I've got the salt shaker. I've got the napkin. The napkin is key. Because the wonderful thing about a napkin is you do it like this to hold on to it. It's hard for me to do this, mainly because I think my wrist is broken. I wish I were kidding. But the napkin can be held with a salt shaker like so, right? 
Here's the coin. All focus is on the coin because it's not working. Of course it's not working. I'm doing it three times on purpose, right? So that the second time it doesn't work, first time I go like this, oh my gosh, it didn't work. Wow, we'll do it again. One, two, three, boom. Doesn't work again, right? Sit back and what happens? That one was really clear. That one shouldn't be that clear. It's probably because I'm doing it twice. You put this over, okay? Here's the amazing thing. If you relax that, that's what happens. And you don't have to relax it a lot. And the great thing about the napkin is it holds the same shape as the salt shaker. Because you've been doing it three freaking times. Right? And you hold on to it nice and tight. So you do that. Then you just sit back, look at that thing, and say, man, I'm having a tough time with that. Now, did anybody see what I just did? Redirect. I hope you did, because I just told you what I was going to do. But it's down here. Right? It's down here. It made the trip down there when I'm looking at this. Because I just pull this back, relax the pressure, it goes to the lap, come back forward, okay? One, two, three, bam. I'm surprised, you're surprised. Renee gasps. <laughs> and then, <laughs> oh my gosh, look at that. The coin did not go through the table. Pick up the salt shakers you're going through, pretend you're pulling it out through the bottom of the table, and there it is. And you let it drop nice and heavy so everybody can see it's solid. Thank you. All right. Let me see. What else can I do? It's a white hat. You Let me. It's a white hat. White hat. White. Yes. <clears throat> Apparently, it's a white hat. So, either either it's it's gonna there's gonna be translucent sides, so you can see. I mean, it's not like it's a Broadway show in there with lights. White rabbits. But you can see light. Light comes into the hat when you put your face over the hat. Because he had a white top. Uh, I said top hat. It's a stovepipe hat. So it's nice. It's tall. You can get your eye far enough away from anything that might be in there if he needs notes or anything to be able to see. But it is not about the stone, I'm convinced. The stone in the hat is not about the stone. The stone is in the hat in order to cover up something else that's going on. Just like a dime through the table. All right. Does anybody else want to talk about anything else about that before I go on? Shoot. We have got so much, so much material. I had no idea I was, had this much magic. And we've got a video to show. So I want to show this video because you're going to love this video, okay? I'm going to stand up right now because I, I feel energy decreasing in the room. And I'm not kidding. I feel energy decreasing, so I do things to try and counter that. If everybody wants to stand up, you can. Because we're going to have... <laughs> I've never seen anybody stand up quite so cheerfully, I think. <laughs> um, and even if you don't want to, you really should stand up right now. Because this is going to be very boring. No, this is, from, this is going to be a video from me doing a magic show back in Austin, Texas, New Year's Eve, 1988. Mm. And this is me doing a trick. Oh, oh, oh. How many of you ever had any of those finger choppers when you were a kid? We've got, one hand, we've got two. The finger chopper. No, not the Chinese trap, the finger trap. We can do this trick right now. You want to pull my finger? Okay. <laughs> We won't do that trick. Okay, you can go ahead and sit down if you want. Or you can stay standing. This thing is this. Oh, my gosh. I've got so many good things to get to. Everybody having a good time anyway? Okay, good. Good, because this is toward the end of Sunstone, and I can't imagine, if you're like me, you're tired of learning shit. So it's... <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, how much can you stuff in your heads? 
It's time to come in and just have some fun. That's what I think. So anyway, this is the finger chopper I was talking about. Because I knew exactly what you were talking about, that, that Chinese finger trap, which is a different thing entirely. Were you talking about this? Okay, so basically, you get a finger chopper, you put your finger in there, it's, made, it's a little kid's trick. As I think you can tell from the fact that that's as far as my finger goes into the... <laughs> and this is cheap-o, crap-o stuff. In fact, it doesn't even have a blade anymore. It's so cheapo and crapo. When I was a kid, they made these things out of metal, and they were dangerous. <laughs> I will tell, they were. Because these are plastic. Even the blade is plastic. You can't do anything with a finger chopper with a plastic blade. It actually broke the first time I was trying to use it. And I said, you, I, I, it got lost. The blade did. It was gray, and it was a piece of plastic. And that's all it was. But why I say that is because when I was a kid, they were made of metal, they were made of wood, and that thing was sharp. And what you did with it was you took it and you would break, go through a piece of, oh, what was it, a carrot or celery. The, the, the actual ad said, you know, put a cigarette in there. Isn't it funny that they actually did that? You know, they're selling these to like 10-year-old kids. You know, put a cigarette in here. Put a cigarette in that thing and then throw it. Just cuts that damn thing right in two. <laughs> and cigarettes don't work either. I stole my mom, so I know. Okay. Cigarettes are not notoriously crisp. Not even Chesterfields. <laughs> but that's what you're supposed to do. But the thing that I remember about it is, I'm 12, there's this other little kid who's probably 10. Because when you're 12... A little kid is much closer to your age than it is now. But this other little kid, 10, and I remember showing him how it cut right through the, um, the carrot. And then you do the same thing with a finger. That's the whole idea. There's a little move that you do, and the blade shifts in such a way that once you do that and you pull it up, then you hit it down as hard as you can, and it goes right through your finger. And it actually can, there's a hole down here. You can actually go through the finger and cut whatever's sticking out through here. Okay? It's an amazing trick if it doesn't break on you. But I remember having that little kid, and I pulled it up, and I didn't do the move. Oh, no. Don't be judging. And I told this kid, I said, okay, so here's the trick. All you have to do is put your finger there, and with the other hand, you just hit down as hard as you can on the top of that, and it'll go through your finger. That's an evil laugh, Randy Bell. I like it. And so, now here's the amazing thing. The kid believed me. That's really the point of this story. The kid believed me. What power you have when you say absolute bullshit to people that nobody in their effing right mind would believe. Here's a guillotine. Why don't you use it on your finger? <laughs> And not only that, why don't you use it in such a way that it'll probably maim you for life if I'm not telling you the truth. Okay, where do I sign up? So he puts his finger in there, and I said, now you got to hit it as hard as you can. You can't hold back, okay? Because if you hold back, it's not going to work. <laughs> it is really hard to keep a straight face sometimes. So yeah, he hauls off. He hits that thing as hard as he can right on his finger. Now, there's good news and bad news here. The good news is it didn't, go through, it didn't actually go through his finger. That's the good news. I think that was the, the punchline. <laughs> but anyway, that's the good news. It didn't actually go through his finger, but he was dancing around a lot for the rest of the day. 
But the idea is you can actually have people do the most ridiculous things, the most self-harmful things. Just tell them it's magic and God will protect them. I didn't even have God involved. It was just me. Just hit this as hard as you can. You'll be fine. So he did. So what I did was, though, I had a, um, an arm chopper now because I'm getting bigger. So I got an arm chopper for a stage show. It actually works on a different principle. But this principle has to do with the idea that a chopper is going to go right through a person's arm, not just the finger, but through the arm. And you actually, this is the stage show back in Austin, Texas at the Stake Center, New Year's Eve, 1988. And I have this arranged somewhat with a gal who's coming out of the audience. She is the wife of the stake president. So it better work, right? <laughs> the, the whole principle here is that what you're going to notice, I do it with a lot of co- comedic stuff, is that you are actually visibly going to see the blade cut through her arm and you will see her arm fall into the basket in front of the guillotine that is placed there for the purpose of catching her hand. That's the amazing thing, because with the finger thing, it just goes through it, right? That's all that happens there. This is a different effect. It's bigger, it's kind of similar, different effect. You actually see the hand. The reason I say that you're going to see the hand go into the basket is because the hand does not get chopped off and go into the basket. (laughs) What you're going to see when I perform this is the fact that I'm going to make a joke out of this, but I'm going to tell the audience three times what they're going to see and that they're going to see what I just told you. And actually, you'll see. The sound is horrible, but I'll try and point it out to you. So that when that blade comes down and that hand comes down very suddenly into the basket, if I do not tell you as an audience what you're going to see, that you're going to see the hand cut off and fall in the basket, the odds are you're not going to see that. The odds are better that you will actually see what's really happening. So let's, can we see if we can play this? I may look a little bit younger. I'm... Okay. I'll close it so nobody can see it. Thank you. Because I've got my... Plan 10. Let's see how this works. Got 15 minutes? Okay. Okay. Because i got to cram in another trick at the end there. Okay. Oh. And he's going to have to speak because we have the audio muted. Is it muted? Yes. Completely? Okay. So that's me finishing up that, that part of the trick. I'm up there on the stage saying I'm going to need a volunteer from the audience. Once again, I'm lying. I mean, I do need a volunteer, but I know who it's going to be. Oh, wait a second. How about you? How about you, Sister Townsend, who happens to be married to the state president? Oh, wait a second. Is she right there? I hope this is in the right spot. There she is. Nope, she's not a ham at all. (laughs) Sister Townsend, you are so funny. So there's an assistant that I had. I was married to that assistant for about seven years. Nothing. (laughs) You guys must be really into this. Okay, so she's doing all this stuff. Oh, that's that's the arm chopper right there. See, you take any magic trick, you make it look kind of Chinese. <laughs> you do the Chinese paint, it immediately makes it look more mysterious. Oh, so there's the, there's the blade. Am I going to do something with it? I don't know. Am I banging the blade? Oh, yeah, because it's solid. That thing is solid. And so what is that in there? It's probably a piece of, like, French bread. Here we, oh, there we go. Boom. It works. So everybody is now really tense because they see this thing works and it can cut things off. Man, I really wish we had the, the audio on here because I can't tell you how funny this was. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, there it is. Once again, yes, you can hit it too. Smack. Cut it out. Cut it out. This really is funny stuff. I can't read my lips though. 
So talking about how brave she is, she's wonderful, she's going to be fantastic. Okay, so come on. This is one of those tricks you just keep milking and milking. <laughs> I mean, you pay a lot for this kind of trick. You've got to get some mileage out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, there she is. And I'm telling them what they're going to see. I'm telling the audience what they're going to see. They're going to see her hand cut off and fall into the basket that's placed there for that purpose. I think that's what I'm saying. It's hard to tell right now. It's been a while. Huh. Yeah, this is scintillating. Okay. I'm just going to shuffle some cards here while this goes on. And I do want to get to another trick, which is very, very important. It looks like for saying your arm is attached, isn't it, when you first started? I bet that's what I was saying. Thank you. Okay. Whew. No wonder this didn't get renewed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So go ahead. Put it in there. Got all this stuff. Yeah, it's a real, real hand. That's a funny line. That's a funny line. Okay, everybody watch, because this is what you're going to see. You're going to see your hand, you know, cut off. Fall right into this basket. Prepare for that purpose. Okay, so this is the comedy part, right? <laughs> this is the comedy bit, where I say, okay, I'm going to cut your hand off on the count of one of three, and everybody here will visibly see it fall into the basket as it's cut off. And they go, one, two, and they go, wait a second. And everybody goes, oh. Lots of gasps. And laughter's had by all. Oh, wait a second. Oh. See, even she's tense. Yes. Three is, yes. One is too few, four is too many. Three is the number of the count, something like that. All right, now this is going to be it. Now I've primed the audience to see this freaking hand get cut off and fall into that freaking basket. So guess what they're going to see? One, two, and there it goes. Boom chakalaka. But fortunately, I brought some Elmer's glue. You seem to be a very good sport about this. Got a little bit of fun here. It's like Bill Murray there. Let me see what the time is. I want to get this last trick in here. So can, can we cut this? So that's the basic idea. Under certain circumstances, I mean, I cannot tell you. Let me just back up and say that we know that seeing is believing. But in certain instances, believing is seeing. And you can take advantage of that with someone by telling them what they're going to see. So that if they believe it, then they'll see it. Some people are more suggestible than others. But this is close enough to looking like a freaking hand getting chopped off. That if you tell them that's what they're going to see, that's usually what people will see. How many people here saw an arm getting, a hand getting cut off? As opposed to a hand being driven down really fast. So, I've got to do this last thing because... I mean, I got a pot for it and everything. You can leave that right here. Everybody, do I have 10 minutes? Yes. Okay, this is the best one ever. Pot and pan. Pad of paper. I've got to have something to write with. And I'm going to, I'll put this back here. So, how many here listened to my story that I told about the magic trick I did on my mission with Elder Green? Did anybody see that? Anybody listen to that? A few people did? Yep. Okay. So let's get somebody here sort of from the middle. Anybody uh, raise your hand? Want to come up here and play the part of Elder Green back there? Very good. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Let's give him a big hand. Everybody? Okay. So this is what happens with Elder Green. He was my companion, and I've been out for over a year. He just came out in Japan. So he doesn't really know Japanese very well. And he's just learning the ropes, and it's my job to train him and be a good senior companion to him. So, 
what I have to do is, of course, mock him mercilessly and make an open show of disgrace of him in front of everyone else. I've got a great trick here. This is the best trick I know. And the reason why is because it has to do with fire. Everybody loves fire. Let me just shuffle these up really quick. Okay. Here. Now, all I'm going to want you to do here is, first off, just cut the cards any place you want. Now, take the, this and complete the cut, but before you complete it, turn this halfway and put it on top of the bottom half so it's like a cross, so we can keep track of where that cut is. Now, here's what I'm going to want you to do. Got this pad of paper, okay? I'm going to want you to draw the name of your card. Oh, you don't, have, no, you don't even have a card yet. We'll get there in a second. First off, by the way, what's your name? Blake. I knew that. Okay, Blake, we're going to draw a circle here on this pad of paper. I'm going to take this piece of paper out. And what we're going to end up doing is folding this four ways. Okay, so the circle's on the inside, etc. Now, what I want you to do here, let me get rid of this because we don't need this again. What I need you to do is to come over here to this deck of cards, okay? Go ahead and you don't even have to lift up this top half. Just pull out the card there on the bottom half. Okay? Don't let me see it, all right? You go ahead and look at it. Can you show it to the audience? Do you have that done? I do. Do you have a pocket up here in your shirt? Okay, well, we'll do a different trick. <laughs> Shoot. I should have asked about the pocket first. No, seriously, do you remember the name of your card? Okay, just put it... Uh, don't tear it up. I'm going to have to do this trick again sometime. Put, no, just put, go ahead and put it on the table face down. You can put it on the table face down. Put it in the cards. Put it in the deck of cards and just mix it in, whatever. Just make it in a place so I can't see it. Are we good? So you remember your card? Everybody else remembers the card? Okay. But I don't know what the card is. Can I just do this and get this over here? Did I look at anything? Now the circle. We've got just a very few minutes. I hope you're up to this. What I want you to do is I want you to write the name of your card in this circle, but I just want you to abbreviate it in the following way. Every card is, uh, can you name any card that's not your card? Two of clubs. Okay, so a two of clubs, you could write that as a two and then a C for clubs. If it were hearts, two H. If it were spades, two S. If it were diamonds, it'd be two D, okay? So every suit is a letter and every card value is either Ace, ace for A, or A for Ace, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. J for Jack, Q for Queen, and K for King. All right. So, can you put that right here in this circle? Write it down here, and then fold this up four ways, like that. And then I'll turn back around, and you can hand it to me. I'll put this over here so it won't get in your way. Okay. So half of you. Watch me to make sure that I'm not looking. And the other half of you, watch him to make sure that he is doing this right. Okay, the, that other half is not doing their job, obviously. No, I'm sorry. If it's the first one is if it's a two, you write... Oh, you were? Oh! Okay, so you've got it in the circle now? I've got it in the circle now. And it's both a two or whatever it is, and then the suit... A C, a D, a H, or an S? Okay. Does everybody confirm that that's correct? Okay, so go ahead and fold it into four. All right. So I can't see it, right, if I turn around? 
Okay, good. So what I'm going to have to do here is I'm actually going to remember to take this off. Sorry about this. But this whole jacket has to come off now. So what we're going to do at this point... Got a pot. Okay. Would you take that and put it in there? Actually, here's what I want you to do. You ever lit anything on fire? Yep. Recently? <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. I mean recently. Yeah. Okay. You stepped right on my line. All right. And then I'm going to want you to light that and then just put it in there so it can burn completely without, you know, setting... Mountain Anything on fire? Absolutely. We, we cleared it with the supervisor. Oh. Okay, so can I watch this from over here? I don't have my glasses on. I swear I can't see what's on that. Oh, isn't this great? Can you hold it up so everybody can see the flambe? <laughs> see, this is the exciting part. This is what everybody loves. You set something on fire, and people will follow you anywhere. Yeah, it really doesn't generate that much heat because it's just a little piece of paper, right? So let me, tell, let me ask you, looking in there, can you see still what you wrote on that piece of paper? Uh, not with uh, my physical eyes. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. So if you can just stand a little bit over there. So Elder Green, you're Elder Green. My, I'm the first companion he has. He's just new out there. We've got two other companions. And the deal is this. The deal is this, is that I do this whole trick in the kitchen. And I tell you, you've never seen um, a wall covered with mold like in a missionary's apartment kitchen in Japan. But that has nothing really to do with this. However, missionaries wear white shirts. This isn't white, but this makes is this especially difficult because then I showed everybody the ashes, okay? So you can see the ashes, of this piece of paper. Got that? And then I mentioned that even though it's burned, and like you said, we cannot see what he wrote upon that paper with our physical eyes anymore. Yet, we must all acknowledge that it still exists there in chemical form. Does that make sense? Yeah, it actually kind of makes sense, doesn't it? They're buying it. (laughs) Okay, because Elder Green bought it too. I think so, so did everybody else. But here's the deal. So here's the idea, okay? Is there anybody here who works for the American Expo? No. <laughs> okay, you need to stop recording at this point. So what we're going to do is we're going to take these. Ah! Just kidding. I'm going to take these ashes here. In my hand, I'm going to... Shoot, can you take off my pants? No, I mean my, my watch. <laughs> I have no idea where these come from, honestly. See, I'm laughing, right? You can tell that wasn't intent. So I'm gonna put the, I'm gonna try and move these across my what my forearm. And the idea is, if everybody focuses, do you remember what this card was? Uh-huh. Everybody focus on the name of that card, the way you wrote it, okay? And let's see what happens as I make these go across my arm. Because the idea is, if you focus on it, if you focus on the name of the card, then maybe it'll appear magically somehow. Oh, I was worried about this. See, this is one of the problems with this trick. It's that sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> okay, now if I were to, sometimes they can sort of make it out. This looks like part two of this trick. Okay. The right arm. 
This is hard to see from here. Can, I'm starting to see something. It's a little bit darker than the other ash. Can you see this? I do see that. This looks like a J to me. It does. Is that a J? It is. I'm certain there's something over here, but this is harder to see. And I'm starting. I don't see squiggly lines like I would for an, a C or an S. I see stronger strokes, straighter strokes. What I'm seeing, and it's not super clear. Thanks a lot, everybody. <laughs> see, isn't it wonderful when a magic trick doesn't work and you can blame the audience? <laughs> we didn't have enough faith. <laughs> You see, the name of this card will appear in the ashes on my arm, according to your faith, <laughs> and in God's due time. <laughs> I, I can't, okay, I see a J definitely, and I think I see the H. Was it the Jack of Hearts? It was. It was the Jack of Hearts. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. There it is, absolutely. Okay, so it actually worked even better in Japan. So I'm going to have to close up here, but I've got to tell you the rest of the story in case you haven't heard it. Because the other two missionaries, I'm the, I'm the district leader, which is a big name for the guy who has to pay the bills in the apartment. That was me. And there's two, another missionary set, and then there's Elder Green, who's my companion. And I'm just going to start trying to see if I can clean this up a bit while I'm talking. Because, oh, thank you. Or white. So what happens, and this is important just for the moral of this story. Okay. Thank you, everybody. I'm still going to need some water, definitely. So, the other guys, it's a magic trick. It's fun. It's happy. Everything's done. But the whole next day, I'm riding around on my bicycle, and Elder Green's on his bicycle. He is pestering me the whole freaking day about this trick. Because I did it the way I did with you, which is this isn't a trick, even though we know it is. It's an experiment. And if you concentrate on the name of the card enough, then maybe it will come out in the ashes. He believed that. I took advantage of his belief. And so by the time we got home, I've been telling him all day that if he does the same thing that I did, then sure, the name of the card's going to show up on his arm. And he believed it. So he's really excited because he thinks this is magic. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> and he comes home, he does, thank you so much. Thank you. Comes home, he does the whole thing. He really believes it. And, uh, you know, he's getting everything ready to go. And I look in on the other two missionaries and I say, so they come running in. They're all excited. He goes through the entire trick, just the way I've done it. And he starts, he's got his white shirt on. He starts doing this thing with the ashes. It's going everywhere. It's on the counter. It's on the floor. It's on his shirt. Then he realizes it's not showing up. Boy, we almost had that happen. That was very close, let me tell you. And he's doing more and more and more. And it's going everywhere. And it's all over him. And finally, I can't keep it in any longer. And I just bust up laughing as I'm standing there in the kitchen watching this poor missionary actually think he can perform magic. And all he's doing is making this huge mess and getting it all over his white shirt. And as soon as I start laughing, the other two missionaries start laughing too. And the look on Elder Green's face was one of disappointment to chagrin to surprise to anger. At least I think he was angry when he told me to eat rocks. <laughs> he told me that a lot. But the only reason I bring that up is because, um, and we will finish. Gosh, I can't believe I have so much material. It's an hour and a half, and we're already done. Next year's part two. Absolutely. But the thing is that this re what this reminds me of in retrospect is Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery. And Oliver Cowdery wanting to translate. Because if Oliver Cowdery wants to translate, you've got to say, yeah, sure, of course you can do it. But then, when you can't, what do you say? First you have to work 
What you don't want to do in that situation if you're Joseph Smith is bust up laughing when Oliver tries to translate but can't. If you do everything else without laughing at him, then you can keep him believing. I, I guess it just didn't work. I guess I don't know the planets are not in the right alignment. Any kind of bullshit excuse people will believe for something magical not working. Kind of like you did when I, it didn't work for me. <laughs> By the way, do you want to know how to do that? Do you want to know how to do that great trick that didn't work? Well, yes. Of course, you've got to know the card in advance. What do you think? This is magic? Because <laughs> we're sworn to secrecy anyway. You force the card. A card for, it's called a force in magic. When you make someone pick something, you force them to pick it. Of course, they don't know that they're forced to pick it. There's a lot of different ways of forcing cards. That's a really good one. But I knew it was the jack of hearts. So what you have to do for this trick is in advance, you go into the bathroom. And you practice your magic for a couple of hours. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Um, we've really got to go. And you get a piece of soap and you uh, wet the end of it and you draw the name of that on your forearm in wet soap. From a bar of soap usually works best. And then it will evaporate. The water evaporates, but the soap stays there in that configuration. And guess what happens with soap on an arm when you put ashes against it? It's supposed to, yeah, it's supposed to do better than this. I should have done a dry run through on that. But yeah, it sticks. And so it magically appears. So there you go. Everybody, thank you so much. You've been so wonderful. I've had a great time. And that concludes the audio of the magic show I did at Sunstone in 2022. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I enjoyed it more than I expected to. It is possible that I do magic so poorly that it is only improved by not actually being able to see the tricks performed. Well, that's about all for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon, signing off the air.